from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community. Super Yacht Radio. And welcome to Super Yacht Radio. Welcome to the crew mess. Where we have the pleasure of being joined today by Rachel Fisher, marketing manager for JMS. And myself and Rachel have been talking because she recently has published a very interesting and in-depth article on the JMS website for their guides called Insight. And the topic this morning is green yachting. Rachel, welcome. Lovely to have you here. Hello, Margaret. So I have to compliment you. This was, I, I, for anyone who hasn't uh, read this article, it is available on the JMS website. But a tremendous amount of information and research has gone into the article. If we can take it in broad strokes for the next little while, it was really very insightful. Uh, my congratulations to you for a very interesting and informative approach because there's a lot going on in green yachting at the moment. And it, yes, there is. There really is. Um, so if we could start first with looking at sort of looking at what regulations are presently in place. You know, in many ways, we've known that the shipping industry is a bit behind the curve on on many issues. But Marpol have certainly brought in a number of new standards over the past 20 or 30 years. And certainly the ones that have become more forefront recently are about air pollution. So could you take us back a little bit just on what's in place at the moment vis-a-vis -vis regulations? Oh, thank you, Maeve, for the very uh, kind introduction. So I've uh, worked on this article um, with a few collaborators, actually. Um, so for the technical part, we've had our fleet manager and engineer, uh, Rob Piper, who's got 14 years in uh, class side and has been a chief engineer on commercial vessels. And Lucia Badano, who has over 20 years' experience and is a naval architect, so they provided all the information on the um, technical part of um, the article, and uh, they're incredibly uh, technical, as you can imagine. And for the second part of the article, we have focused on the management of the interior. Um, so we've had fantastic insight from Millie Lipick, who's the interior manager of a new built, uh, which is called Project Enzo, it's 160 meters. And the Green Stewardess, uh, who's, uh, who offers eco-solutions in terms of toiletries for interior of the uh, yacht and environmental yacht services, who offers green, clean, green cleaning products in line with the Marpol regulations. Um, so this article is really about increasing uh, the awareness, sharing information, and uh, making a difference. Um, so uh, with regards to the uh, regulations generally, there's a lot more in place. Uh, the regulations do depend on the characteristics of uh, the boat, so the flag, the class, the build, the age. Um, but at the, So at the moment we have the IMO, which is the uh, International Maritime Organization, which specifies the safety regulations for different types of uh, ships. So the first regulations came into force uh, after big oil spills from the oil tankers back in the 70s. Uh, so this was when um, MARPOL was born. So MARPOL is the main international convention aimed at uh, the prevention of pollution from ships, which are either caused by uh, operational matters or accidents. 
And over the years, these uh, so regulations have been added over the years, and for the moment, they involve the prevention of oil spills, the discharge of oil, uh, sewage, and uh, garbage management. Um, there's also regulations in relation to air pollution uh, concerning the uh, engine exhaust emissions, mm-hmm. and the way we need to see is how we how do we prevent uh, air pollution from ships because they obviously work with engines and um, a lot of uh, you know uh, technical um, aspects. So the way we prevent air pollution, first of all, is zero emissions um, by using also low sulfur fuel and um, scrubbers, which is an alternative compliance option to burning low sulfur fuels approved by uh, the International Maritime Organization. Also, it is uh, generally, if boats reduce their speeds and don't go as fast, uh, obviously this also reduces the use of um, fuel and therefore uh, pollution. Um, So the latest MARPOL rules, um, which are known as the MARPOL 7378, uh, they specify new fuel quality. So when you're uh, cutting out the amount of har- harmful sulfur and nitric oxide in the emissions, uh, slows down, um, makes the combustion process more efficient. Okay. And I believe um, these, these are being brought in in sort of three different tiers. I believe for the nitric oxide, the final third tier is, is it coming in 2020 or 2021? But they've sort of been bringing it in in stages over the last few years, haven't they? Yes, that's right. They have. They have, um, yes, they have been building it, building it up to make more um, strict um, due to obviously, you know, uh, what is uh, going on environmentally at the moment. We, we have made some progress, but we definitely need to uh, make some more. Uh, progress and so these tiers are requirements which um, influence the design of the engines and so these manufacturers have come up with many ways to meet the increasingly strict standards uh, such as catalytic reducers and also just uh, all industries for the renewables uh, because of the negative impact on the environment. Um, as because as we all uh, probably know by now, uh, we need to look at uh, new ways of using uh, fuel or um, other mechanical um, sources because uh, fossil fuel will eventually be gone. Well, and also this is, I mean, we're talking of the superyacht industry, but these are maritime-wide. So this includes shipping and cruisers and, you know, the whole maritime section for the IMO regulations. And um, even actually, even uh, even the, the super yacht toys, such as the jet skis, I mean, now they're putting in place jet skis, um, like the Orca brand, uh, which are now electric, um, because jet skis, even though they're smaller, a lot of more people use them. Um, and the fuel for these jet skis is not good. The noise uh, for these jet skis as well, for the marine life. Um, a lot of the marine life rely on, on eco-location and it creates issues as well. I also discovered, I mean, noise pollution, we all know from anyone sitting on a beach and seeing jet skis going around. But also you, you said in your article that 25% of the fuel fails to combust, which I thought was 
fascinating because if you consider the volume we now have of toys, that's a large percentage of fuel that's going back into the water. Uh, it, it is a huge percentage and it's uh, definitely something that we need to uh, improve upon and, and, and raise uh, awareness for, for everyone uh, because we all look at the super yachts and the bigger you know, vessels when actually you know, it's these little uh, bits and pieces that can actually um, in a big part make uh, all the difference. Yeah. I think as well, you know, if you look back a decade ago, Supiot toys were a much smaller part of the market. Now, you know, uh, Supiot's uh, in part of their design is looking at where the toys go. It's a very, particularly for the charter market, Supiot toys is a very big part of it as well. So it's a growing market as well. So it is something that um, I think is a good step forward. I mean, there's only one company at the moment who's uh, looking at these um, electric jet skis, which um, should launch, actually should have launched this month, which is good to see that, um, you know, there are ways of, of making things, uh, finding solutions and working with nature. And, and it's, it is all about being creative and understanding that we need to change our habits and uh, how things work as well. Well, we saw that uh, at the Palma Yacht Show last year, they had a number of electric surfboards. Um, on, yeah. And it, they were just fantastic because all of a sudden you're looking not only for the environmental side, but an electric surfboard, you don't even have to wait for the waves. <laughs> you know, you can just go when you want to. So, you yeah, know, just exactly. th there's other That's sides to innovation right. as well. Yes, it is. Definitely. Definitely. Well, it's like the electric jet skis. You don't even need to stop to fuel anymore. So it actually ends up being good for the environment and actually makes our life easier at the end of the day as well. Yeah. And I think um, particularly in the world at the moment, you know, there's been a lot of discussions having had three months of lockdown where we haven't had the, you know, the same volume of traffic, the noise pollution, actually, I've read a number of articles of the difference it made. But we all know the stories of, of you know, how Venice has been transformed, how uh, we're seeing animals in places we haven't seen before because they didn't have the noise traffic. So if, if nothing else, I think at this moment in time, it's a really important moment in time to look at what other possibilities are because we can see how great the world can recover when we're not adding to it in in various ways be it noise pollution or air pollution or you know it, it's a really important time to look at what's there and and push the innovations many of which are already in place you know have been sort of slowly progressing over the past few years um, with yeah, and that's what we're actually seeing with the um, with the yachting industry at the moment. Um, so there are, you know, the new yachts uh, now. Generally, they will have um, characteristics where they uh, work with uh, clean sources such as wind, uh, solar, um, and they're also trying to use hydrogen. Um, and there's an interest in biofuel as well. Mm. And liquefied natural gas. So they are looking at all these different solutions of uh, using less uh, diesel um, engines 
And it is the only issue, um, so that's for the new yachts, but if you are looking at converting an, uh, an existing yacht, then it, it does get a little bit more tricky as you don't have the same amount of space um, and, um, and you also have to design it in a certain way. Um, but there are like the older yachts that you can actually convert into a hybrid uh, yacht and have a diesel electric engine, uh, which saves, which can save up to 30% um, in fuel, which is fantastic. And equally, um, I've seen quite a lot of progress. Um, we'll get on to, you know, the specific um, yachts that are being designed, but there's been a lot of progress, for example, in solar panels and the modification of batteries so that this can also be added to a, a you know, a conversion of trying to make your super yacht um, that you have already to be more environmental and not, I mean, there's the environmental side, but there's also the efficiency side. You know, if you look at long term, the cost of diesel and how that fluctuates and you offset that with um, the cost of putting on, for example, solar panels to help, you know, back up the batteries. Um, exactly. There, you know, there, there will be a financial difference long term. It's really kind of balancing up, I'm sure, for the owner of the initial financial outlay in order to have the long term difference long-term gain exactly yes and they're coming up with clever ways as well with the um solar panels it's they, they 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 don't just put them on roofs anymore they also can insert them in the um in the yachts in the ballast and, and um, other areas of the yachts which are more um when you say discreet um which makes it even easier for people um to implement so that let's say it doesn't always because a, a yacht obviously is a luxury and um, has to look a certain way, and maybe when you can insert the solar panels in some areas, it um, it does uh, it, it is a positive aspect as well of the innovation and how people start thinking outside the box as well. Do you think, Rachel, with in in the regulations that you've been talking about, there's sort of uh, moving from the IMO, there's further kind of class notations like eco or environmental or green plus and this is sort of my understanding was this is the next level up for super yacht owners who don't want to just tick the box of what they must do but are looking at the extra ways they can bring things in do you think that um it, this could become more mainstream and therefore be added to the value of the super yacht as well. That if we have, you know, higher standards that a super yacht can demonstrate, you know, this super yacht now has this certification and these regulations ticked off, that in some ways it, it can add to the long-term value of the yacht. Um, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so the regulations we were talking about before are the compulsory ones. And it, it, you can definitely go above and beyond the compulsory um, requirements. Um, it is all about, you know, um, not it outweighing the costs and the gain in terms of the environment. Um, and these class notations um, are actually 
good for the environment, obviously, but they provide um, the owner as well uh, with uh, better conditions um, to charter and um, to also you can it can also make uh, the yacht more valuable in the future for the resale, for example. Um, so I think it is again depending on the the type of the yacht. Uh, these class notations are definitely uh, can be an, an advantage um, in terms of you know nature and um, you know financially as well. Um, and you also what it does is that we have if people also engage owners, for example, engage uh, project managers or third parties to come and have a look at the, um, the the yacht in terms of what can be done with the class notations, also allows them to. Uh, keep up to date um, with the new technologies in the market and what's available. Well, because that, what is that's been advancing, you know, hugely. I think over the past decade, and um, you know, considering the life cycle, the full life cycle of a super yacht. Uh, I had a very interesting chat earlier this year with Amels, and he, their entire fleet is still on the water. They're not alone. The life of a super yacht, when taken care of and refitted and, um, you know, converted, it, it lasts for decades. And you consider over the whole life cycle of the super yacht, uh, even the difference that um, effective anti-fouling can make or a change in fuel or um, the all of them, you know, these many, many steps add to the overall efficiency and you accumulate that over 10, 20, 30 years. Um, I haven't done the maths, but I can only presume that it will, it will balance out. Yes, it definitely, uh, definitely will. And that's, I mean, that's the whole point, right. Of, uh, of, of, you know, having, raising the awareness of green yachting and what can be done and, and, giving having new ideas sharing the information and then to be able to also establish what can be done in the near future with the resources we currently have also developing new um, technologies and um, to be able to to have a sort of forecast in the 20 30 years of the the life cycle of the yacht yeah yeah it makes a huge difference um uh, the other interesting thing is not just in the you know, converting of the of the super yachts at the moment, but also in the new designs that are coming out. You know, the major uh, super yachts like the Lursons and the Fed ships and the Ocean Co. Um, and the Amels, all of them have over the past few years, five to ten years, been bringing out very exciting concepts and very tangible, you know, between the electric hybrid market, for example. Um, we can go into examples shortly, but there's a lot of innovation happening in the superyacht industry. Personally, I, I have a great hope that in some ways our industry can lead other parts of the maritime industry. If you can show, for example, on a superyacht, that, um, and it's still in its infancy, but that hydrogen power could actually work, then there's a, a good possibility that can feed into other markets. Um, and in some ways, I, I hope that the Supion industry, I mean, in many ways, I think are leading the way with innovations. 
for the maritime industry. I, I see the cruise industry and the shipping industry being further behind, possibly because they don't also have the um, personal investment that happens with super yachts. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah absolutely. They've actually even um, developed the concept of aqua, um, mm-hmm. which is from um, Simon Yachts. So that is the uh, first world hydrogen powered yacht. Um, they still, this type of yacht actually still needs to be uh, backed up by um, by diesel um, for the generators, um, just because of the range um, and the limited space uh, to store hydrogen. Um, as you know, it's also hydrogen also is difficult to source, and um, and we also need to uh, have maybe in the near future a better understanding of how uh, we can store hydrogen and have a, a, a good distribution, a secure distribution network in place um, to be able to, uh, to to source it and move this hydrogen. Yeah, we had a very interesting uh, discussion last year with Lateral, who were also involved as naval architects. Um, one of the, even, I mean, the concept is is beautiful. It's an amazing boat, in some ways, what needs to come along, from my understanding, is uh, the biggest part is the sourcing of it. You know, we've seen hydrogen-powered buses in China, for example. But in order for this to be truly environmental, we need to be able to source the hydrogen at an environmental level. I'm hoping with other industries looking at hydrogen as a source, if if we can find an easier, cheaper source of hydrogen, that will help progress that concept quicker. But mm-hmm. as a as a concept it of is, a it zero emissions, it's amazing. I said the hydrogen is also, is definitely work in progress, but it's um it's it's already um, great that we are you know thinking about all these uh, new options. And uh, I mean, there's other ways also of um, making the yacht more. Um, eco-friendly or designing these new yachts um, in, in other ways, such as um, you know, Savannah, for example, built by FedShip, which uh, runs off a, a, a one single diesel engine uh, rather than two. Generally, they run off two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they've managed to do that is to add in other materials, such as the batteries and making uh, electric uh, uh, mechanical propulsion propulsions which offers uh, fuel saving and that's also they look at other ways as well to um, to develop uh, more how we can uh, use these yachts more efficiently um, as well I, I think another lovely example you gave which is really uh, very famous now is Black Pearl looking at the sailing yacht as well because Although a smaller segment of our super yacht industry, it, it's still a large section of the the industry. And Black Pearl is a beautiful example of what went from concept to reality um, and is a lovely example of what can be achieved. Uh, Black Pearl is definitely the hype um, at the moment. And it is a beautiful, um, a beautiful uh, yacht. Um, so that is the uh, it's a yacht that actually has zero emissions currently, which is quite uh, amazing. And um, it uses its own um, propulsion system to generate power under sail, which is similar to the windmills we see uh, when we drive 
around uh, different areas uh, of the world. And this propulsion system manages to put power back into the generators, which I find quite incredible, the technology and the engineering behind it, um, which I think a lot of the new yachts should um, follow the example of um, these innovations. Yeah. Well, and um, following on to solar energy, um, we have had a few chats, um, Race for Water, we talked to last year where they have a, a catamaran which is powered by solar, wind, and what's the third way? They have a, a interesting battery backup. And then earlier this year, we talked with silent yachts who are, have definitely been leaders in the, in the solar-powered concept. Um, we had a very interesting chat with Michael, the CEO of you know, because he very much was had a love of the ocean and wanted to have the experience of aptly named silence as well as the environmental side. And just his progression of developing the solar energy to the point where they are now, where I think they're quite synonymous in our industry with solar-powered uh, yachts that are really beginning to take the market in quite a profound way. I think the combination of the environmental side and the independence, you know, in a world that is changing to have a yacht that actually doesn't need fuel or that much maintenance and can be completely independent and go where it wants to go is a very interesting new movement in the world in the next year or two, particularly because um, we don't want to be so dependent on anything, the ability to just go where you want and it's not have to worry. Yeah, so it's like it is um, to be able to, to do that is actually, it's, as you're saying, you don't depend on, on anything and especially anything that's bad for the environment. It's, uh, it, it, it does give a, a sense of uh, freedom and, and tremendous satisfaction as well. Um, but yeah, Silent 80 is, is actually, at the end of the day, it is the real thing in terms of really having the greenest boats uh, you can have. And I've seen a few over the uh, past month or two, another company in Germany, there are um, other com yachting companies that are looking at this, even though, you know, silent yachts are very much focused on their particular model. It's great to see other shipbuilders look at look at this innovation and say, okay, let, let's bring this on. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping the market will increase on that side because uh, personally, if I was going to buy a yacht, <laughs> I think a silent yacht would be, you know, up there in one of my top choices. I, I, it definitely, I've, what I've actually noticed as well with the, 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 the yacht shows in the past years is you, you, you notice an increased trend as well in um, potential buyers or owners or just generally the crowd that uh, have a lot more interest actually at the looking at the greener yachts mm. as well, uh, which is great to see. Um, so I do, I do, I do feel we are moving in the right direction, and people are actually, you know, looking uh, prefer, as you say, you say you like to, to, like you would go for the silent eighty that people in general would prefer to have, uh, would uh, give an advantage on a greener yacht that m maybe might be maybe less faster or, or you know, have 
less of a, a, a luxury sort of feel, but they will have it, um, they, but they will go for the greener yachts. I am, um, I... I... A, a feed or, or because that is, uh, I think people are understanding that it is the right thing to do and it's also uh, very important to... Um, um, to be, you know, putting in your your your, your parts um, in in the world, in any industry, and in, in anything you build and create. I think an, another interesting facet of this is um, looking at a younger demographic coming up. Um, I recently, during lockdown, actually did the sustainability course with Water Revolution Foundation, and it was fascinating. It gave me a very broad overview of sustainability and um, the many steps to it. But one of the take-homes I had of it was also there is a changing demographic of ultra-high net worth individuals who will be buying these super yachts. And, you know, if you look at Silicon Valley, the millennials who grew up, you know, in the past 30 years, they've grown up in a world that we recycle, that we have a greater awareness of, of the environment. We have a greater awareness of plastics in the ocean. So this next generation coming up may well be demanding more. They, they want the experience, but they also want to be more in keeping with their planet in a way that the generation before, I don't think had the same awareness because it, it wasn't as pervasive as it is now. And that's so true, and, and and I've also spoken to uh, crew members as well who have actually noticed that the younger generation is a lot more aware and actually a lot more passionate about um, doing things uh, right and and doing things in green as well. Um, and and yes, there has been I guess there has been more awareness now, obviously with all the social media. I mean. I've, I come across these um, these videos on, on on Facebook with oceans filled with plastic and and you know fish being um, you know ingesting plastic as well, which uh, which is our fault at the end of the day and something that needs to uh, change. And I think that it's as much as it's confronting to see these videos. I think it is great to um, you know to, it does. Make give give us an alarm and make us want to actually you know change the way we do things and and make a difference and uh, and realize that you know there's there's a consequence to um to to not being careful to ha our habits and and the way we operate especially on uh, a yacht um, for example because a lot of the garbage that comes from the yachts is all uh, plastic and. Um, and waste from guests, um, which I think is very important that we all um, do our part on it, even though it might sound small. Um, it does uh, it does make a difference, a lot of difference at the end of the day. That was sort of the, um, the big take home at the end of your article was looking, uh, aside from green designing and what we can change in the structure and the propulsion of super yachts there's also a, a lot we can change on board and that in a, in many ways and and i say this having spoken with the green stew and with eco works or eco store 
and others who are trying to change the super yacht in how it runs as a as a vessel from looking at carbon offset for the petrol to what products are used to how we wash down the boat to water filtration systems there's a lot that we can bring in in just the running and, and over a year, I mean, if we just start with water filtration systems, I believe having talked with a number of different people who provide them in the industry, within a year, even a fantastic water filtration system, not only will the water be better for you and taste better, but within a year, you will have paid for itself in the amount and volume of plastic water bottles you would have had to bring on board. You know, that's just the first step. Aside from the segmenting and how we recycle and what marina you come into where you can hopefully, you know, bring in your recycling, but not every marina has those recycling provisions. But it kind of very yeah, much starts right. with Which the interior. It's, it's, excuse me. Um, sorry, I, 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 um, it's true that there's not all, all not all ports have the um, recycling um, bins, which are. But what crew have learned to do now is to have uh, a bin, uh, a, you know, separate bins for plastic, metal, uh, cardboard waste, and to ensure that if that's not provided and you can't dispose of it on a specific island or something, that they will keep it on board to be able to dispose it elsewhere. Um, so it has it these little habits um, that you can, you know, be aware of and just work in terms of what's available and what will be available as well to go and dispose of it um, elsewhere in, 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 a, in a better way as well. And it's true because the, big, the biggest source, um, in, from what I've seen, it are the plastic bottles and um, and as you say, there are many boats now have uh, great water makers. Even if you like sparkling water as well, um, you have these uh, machines with these little CO2 cylinders, which can, which can make uh, sparkling water as well. So there's no need for um, for these uh, plastic bottles. And the what I've also had from a discussion with um, a crew member is that we'd actually be surprised to see how owners are actually inclined um, to adopt some greener um, uh, habits uh, and they, uh, they would actually, you know, agree depending obviously on whether the, how the relationship is. But if you do have an open relationship with the owner, um, they are generally uh, quite inclined to, a bit, to be adopting uh, new ways of, of sourcing water or shopping in general because they do um, care about, um, you know, the way uh, we do, we work with uh, nature and, and ensure that we limit our, our waste as well. And I think the other big movement uh, I've seen, particularly in the past two or three years, is a movement where, and I say this because, you know, 20 years ago or 19, I I had my first baby and trying to find effective cleaners that were environmental, there was a lot less choice. Now, 20 years on, particularly for even in our industry, there's some fantastic products that are now very much focused on the marine industry for washing down from washing down boats to, um, you know, I, I know 
eco store, for example, you can get large containers which you can refill all the shampoos and the body lotions and the soaps. And they have, I mean, not only their store in New Zealand do they produce it with zero emissions, but they've also looked at getting ocean plastics to and biodegradable bottles. So the options available are huge. In some ways, I think it's really important to have the stewardess and the crew and the captain on board on this as well, because that sort of running of it, if you can show that they work effectively and um, work well, then that helps the movement of bringing it because it of course, it's focused on the guests of the charter, but you can also have 12 crew on board, which is a lot of you know, shampoo, for example, that you could use in a season. Uh, well, it is, as you say, I mean, it is these repeated individual actions that, you know, become habits. And it is about um, the crew or even just the chief interior or even the captain, even the management companies who should ensure, uh, you know, that, you know, they have that the boat does have the right philosophy um, towards um, you know recycling and ensuring that um, there's uh, reducing wastes and um, everything. The issue I think sometimes is that um, there's not enough education, and it's uh, important to be able to um, educate uh, the crew uh, on how how the the, the philosophy of the boat um, should be. I mean, I know when I was younger, I used to uh, work on a, a sunseeker in the summer. And, and I mean, I didn't, I sort of, you know, I'd sort of gone on the boat and they said, do this, do that. And you go on it and you just sort of do the, do the job when you should be aware of what you're doing, what chemicals are being used and how we can work so that you're not using, first of all, the toxic chemicals when there is an option of better chemicals. Um, and that, that's also why... I think nowadays there's a lot of people who are a crew who are trying to do your, uh, their own products as well. They make their own products, which is with, um, there's mixed views about it. Um, they say that, um, you know, a lot of people do it, but then you must be careful just in case because if you're not sure about the products you're using and on which material you're using it, um, that it can, you know, can, it could be a fire hazard. But there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, using a bit of lemon juice and water uh, to clean a microwave, for example. And these are all things that are being discussed and shared uh, within the crew industry, um, which I think we didn't have that uh, back then. No, I agree. And there's the conversive side. I read research recently. They did a 20-year research of people who used bleach on a regular basis, which, you know, is the kind of basic household product you know, for the past few generations. But they discovered that long-term consistent use with bleach is equivalent to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, which <laughs> really found, I found very distressing. But I think in this time where we are going to be very concerned and aware of cleanliness and effective cleanliness, it's a really good time to look at what the the options are because a lot of the eco products as well uh, don't just sort of mask it over with fragrance a lot of them have deeper cleaners that can continue cleaning and break down the bacteria and, and things like that 
at, at the moment, you know, it's forefront of uh, hygiene and, and health. Um, but bleach is not necessarily the best option, even though that has been the traditional option. Yeah, no, I mean, using using bleach definitely is is, is uh, something that should be um, avoided. Um, and, and actually, there are also um, regulations um, in regards to cleaning products that you can uh, use on, on, on boats. Um, and um, there's also um, not enough awareness about that which should be communicated by uh, the superiors. Um, like, for example, there's um, this chemical called the oxalic acid, which mm -hmm. is present in a wide range of cleaning products, such as, um, you know, metal cleaners, rust removers, toilet clean, uh, toilet oil cleaning as well. And uh, people, sadly, still use these products uh, when it is actually really toxic and um, illegal. So... Uh, also, what's important is to be able to keep up to date with the legislation, which is always changing as well, um, and to be able to do things uh, correctly and use the right um, cleaning products. But again, this comes down to um, whoever is uh, in charge uh, of the crew to make sure that um, everyone is aware of how, uh, how everyone should operate in terms of the cleaning procedures and maybe even put the safety data sheet up um, so that people can easily refer to um, how they should be using uh, cleaning products. So, Rachel, just before we hit the top of the hour, in your research, you found some great resources for um, captains and crew who want to know more or get some advice or have some help on board to look at what procedures they can change or what products they can use. Could you share with us just some of your resources that you found particularly helpful? To change, you mean to change the features on the yachts in terms of conversion? More just on, on the topic we were talking of. Um, I know you mentioned environmental yacht services, for example. I think there's a growing body of uh, information and, and resources, but I know you found some in particular while you were researching this. Yeah, so so for with regards to the cleaning um, aspects and, and, and ma interior management of the of the yacht, Environmental Yacht Services is, uh, is a fantastic company. Um, they promote uh, eco-friendly cleaning products um, for any areas on the boat, with laundry, the bathrooms, the pantry. And um, they also uh, follow the guidelines of Marple uh, as well, which are the guidelines uh, specifying what is illegal. Um, also, there's also uh, the um, rules on how you can discharge uh, sewage on a boat, for example. Um, and these uh, environmental yacht services in, in this way are very um, meticulous in terms of what they sell and they know what they're selling and you, if you buy a cleaning product from there, they are the smartest uh, products uh, as well. Um, and then there's also the Green Stewardess. Um, so um, this is a, a company where you can uh, order um, items, uh, you know, accessories, toiletries for, for your yacht. So they're all um, eco-friendly made. So you have um, toiletries, bamboo, Q-tips, um, toothbrush, everything's, uh, you know, biodegradable. 
um, and also they even sell organic linen. So there's such a broad range of, of what is on the market in terms of, of how we can use alternative um, sources. And then um, going back a little bit to um, uh, bigger and more complex issues, I believe um, your company also help uh, with project managers help people review what changes they can make on board as well with JMS? Yes, yeah, so, we, so we, we have a team of, of, of project managers who, um, who work on many aspects of the business and, and who can um, help in terms of advising or even uh, just having a chat um, explaining how what are the options to convert or uh, refit a yacht because sometimes it does depend on the age of the yacht, the size, and uh, the specifics uh, of it as well. And that's definitely something I think it would be great to have experienced advice and guidance on because, as we know, the refit market is is big, but I'm sure it could be good to have sort of an outside perspective uh, at looking at the yacht and being able to inform people what the options are. Exactly, and even if it's something that, you know, maybe budget-wise or... You can't do it right now. At least you have an idea that it, it is possible and that you can do it in the future and plan for the future as well, um, which would, you know, can also increase the, the value of the, of the yacht and make it more efficient at the same time. This is ultimately my high hope. And it's one of the things I loved from Water Revolution Foundation when they came up with, I mean, the original one was called Yeti, but that we have a index that demonstrates how green a yacht is and by that index it adds value to the yacht so the more that we can show that greenness or ecology on the yacht adds value i believe the more the more it will expand and develop yeah and that's so true so true um, so yes, um, it is going that way there's a bit more work to do but it is going that way and um and there's more and more talk about it, which is why it's important that we all, um, you know, share and discuss it, and uh, and keep up to date with what's going on um, in the world and the new regulations and how you can actually do make changes on a yacht that you probably never thought you would be able to. I mean, it comes down also to even just without talking about a conversion, you can also look at you know just the smaller aspects such as the LED lighting and. And, uh, you know, using motion sensor lights or maybe installing, you know, implementing, you know, something uh, which would be also fun for the crew in terms of team bonding, you know, on Earth Day on April 22nd to, uh, to I don't know, you can, if it's legal and you can do it, maybe switch off some lights for that evening. And um, so there are then smaller things, um, you know, you can do in terms of uh, the other um areas of, of the boat without even converting it which you know if you have someone on board who, who knows um what to do and uh like a project manager on an expert who can explain how uh, even the small aspects can be changed i mean it's still a, a you know baby step but it's still a good step yeah and lots of small steps can make a difference Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. For those who would like to kind of go back and and read the full article, can you direct them? I know it's on the website. You've 
got a series of guides which are very interesting on the JMS website, and that would be www.jmsyachting.com. Yes, that's right. Uh, so it's www.jmsyachting.com, and uh, you will find the guides under the Insights um, tab. And there's many other guides as well in port control and many other aspects of the yachting industry that um, should be of uh, interest as well. Yeah, great source of information along with your company itself. Thank you so much, Rachel Fisher from JMS for joining us today and talking about green yachting, uh, what's going on and, and where we aspire to go. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. From Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community, Super Yacht Radio.